Good morning. If you're in person or we're on Zoom, it's really good to be with you and worship. If you're visiting Church of the Lamb, I want to add my welcome to Travis's from earlier. We're so glad that you're with us, joining us. Now, um, today's sermon is a little bit different in that um, more even than normal, it addresses where we are in the life of our church at, um, at Church of the Lamb. And again, we're, we're happy for visitors to, to be here, glad for you to listen in, and I, I hope that this kind of thing gives you an idea of how we try to do life together as a, a body of brothers and sisters in Christ. Please don't feel that this means it is exclusive. I'm going to move this back because it feels like it is very close to me. Okay. There are two main things that I want to speak to this morning. The first is uh, something of a pastoral warning that comes out of my own experience in the past week. So last Sunday was a rich, full day in the life of Church of the Lamb. It was the best of like a family gathering people who have been a part of this church over the years, brothers and sisters from Incarnation, our mother church, who joined to celebrate with us. It was the celebration of a long hope fulfilled of God providing something that our church had prayed for for a long time. It was an amazing day. I was still on Friday sending pictures to pastor friends from around our diocese. One particular pastor friend in D.C. Uh, complimented our HVAC system at our new location. Um, in case you don't know, we are outside, and so it was a joke. But they just actually bought this um, multi-million dollar building in, in, on Capitol Hill in D.C., and the reason it's multiple multi-million dollars is not because it's so nice, but simply because it's on Capitol Hill. And they've spent all this money, and I was told in the text, somebody else said, they're just making fun of you because they're still having trouble with their HVAC, and they spent more money. Now, Tuesday, after this, such a full day on Sunday, a beautiful day. Tuesday, I happened to think about the Israelites, how they were so dramatically delivered through the Red Sea. And think about what they did on the other side of the Red Sea after they saw the Egyptians wiped out as they had pursued them. They celebrated with music and dancing. It was ecstatic praise. They were so full of joy. And then literally, I, I don't think I had ever noticed how close it was together. Literally the very next scene, when they, they finish their singing and dancing, they start complaining. Literally, the next scene. It starts with them asking, wait a second, what are we going to drink? And they do it in this faithless, despairing sort of way, like a child that thinks that their parent is going to let them die of thirst, like there's a water faucet there, but you're not going to give me anything to drink. <laughs> they don't expect to be provided for, but the Lord provides them with water. And then they go straight to the next dire prediction. They tell Moses, you should have let us die in Egypt where we had a full stomach with good things to eat rather than bringing us here to die from hunger. You know, I think for myself, I don't know if you're this way. I think I, without even intending to, I've read stories like this for a long time, and I've read the stories of these people, and I've thought of them 
honestly, as more like caricatures, not like real people. Honestly, I think of myself and I think, I'm not that extreme. <laughs> I don't go that quickly from joy and hope and faith to faithlessness and fear. But, you know, the more I've thought about it and gotten to know myself, the reality is they're not caricatures. It's me. I do go this quickly from faith and hope to a mindset of scarcity, wondering whether God really will continue to pull through. So I was thinking about this on Tuesday, and I started praying that God would protect our church and protect the hearts of our, our people from grumbling and from a lack of faith. Now, that was Tuesday, and Wednesday morning I was at the parsonage, the house on this wonderful property that God has given to our church. And we're having the basement renovated as a first major project so that our offices can quickly be on site. We can have a children's ministry room and this public gathering room with a fireplace for Bible studies and things. It's going to be a wonderful space. Now, they found some termites a couple of weeks ago at the bottom of the wall in this space. Okay. And they had to do a little bit more tearing out than they intended. Well, the more they tore out, the more past activity, not active activity, but the more past activity they found. Um, this is actually, this is bad. The parish council is having a meeting tomorrow night where I'm going to be updating them on some of these things. So to parish council members, sorry, here's an early update for what you'll hear tomorrow night. <laughs> uh, the more they tore out, the more past activity they found, even to the top of the walls in the basement. To the point that upstairs, we've lived there a couple weeks now, I've been noticing this small soft spot in the transition from the kitchen to the living room area, this small soft spot in the floor, and I thought, I'm just going to start stepping over that. Um, well, it turns out that is where the termites have eaten into some of the joists. <laughs> That's why that soft spot is there. So this caused a lot of conversations to happen with the termite inspector um, who inspected it before the sale of the property, with the family, and on and on. Unfortunately, there is no one really to blame. No mass conspiracy and cover-up. Is anyone else grumbling yet? Anybody? Anybody with me? Scott Hansen's helping manage the project, and I talked to him Wednesday afternoon to update him on this. You know, the truth is, I had honestly for already forgotten about my prayer from Tuesday by that point. Lord, protect our hearts from grumbling. And before I could say anything, Scott said, you know, we never know what the Lord might want to teach us through these little critters. <laughs> And we cannot be like the children of Israel. We can't grumble along the way. And Scott mentioned that God's character is Hesed, steadfast love toward his people, toward his children. And I was struck at how we were both thinking about the children of Israel so close together. Um, and I was also struck at how I had so quickly already forgotten 
and how I needed to be reminded of what I had already prayed. Lord, protect us. Some of you are going to have trouble stopping thinking about the termites <laughs> for the rest of this. But the first thing I want to say to us this morning is watch out for grumbling in your own heart. Watch out for grumbling against each other. Watch out for seeds of discontent. Sin is a living enemy that comes at us. And these things are so sneaky, the way that they can wrap their tentacles around our heart and our soul and implant themselves deep within our lives. So make sure you don't let your worries and concerns fester that you bring them before the Lord, first of all. And if you need to, if it has something to do with our church, that you talk to someone, that you talk to me, you talk to a parish council member, although they're just finding about, out about the termites too. Wait till after tomorrow to talk to them. <laughs> no. Seriously, though. Be vigilant, church of the Lamb. Watch out. What God has given us, not just the land, but the unity that we have in Christ these are gifts that we have to steward and we have to guard, protect. Remember Adam and Eve, they're put in the garden to guard it and protect it. This is the work of God's people. It's to guard and protect. Not so that we can't welcome in and be inviting. That's exactly the reason. We guard and protect so that we can open wide for others to come in. So be vigilant. That's the first thing I want to say to you. Now, the second thing I want to speak to this morning is how our church is going to walk together with God through the financial piece to our property and the vision around it, the Abide Project. Uh, Travis mentioned this earlier. There is a, um, a little brochure uh, sitting over here that lays out a vision that we presented last week. And... Um, it'd be good for you to have one of those. You can also go to our website and there's a new tab at the very top called the Abide Project and you can look at it there. Um, I want to walk through part of the Abide Project again this morning before speaking directly to the financial part. Um, not the whole thing, but, but part of it. So our church's mission is shaped by what it means to be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It means you... You as a human being, a broken human being, are invited to live in the presence of God and to receive his love and his rest. It means that God has become a refuge and a shelter for you in the midst of your life in the world. That you've begun to look to him for everything. So C.J. Geller, who leads IV, he's here today, and he preached about this a couple of weeks ago from Psalm 131. Listen to this verse from Psalm 131. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Coming to rest in God can, can sound like a passive, easy thing. In fact, some of us are like, I, I'm too grown up for that. <laughs> I don't need more rest. I need him to give me more to do. Um, the truth is that actually coming to rest in God is one of the hardest parts of being a human being. And to actually do good in the world, this is, you have to do this first. 
It is a lifelong part of our discipleship, learning to completely rely on God rather than on ourselves for our sustenance, our well-being. So being in relationship with God means you come to rest, but then it also means that you are now compelled to love. The rest that you receive from God has propelled you toward active love for others, not as a way of earning your keep, of being respectable in the world and appreciated by others. That's not the reason. We love because he first loved us, because we know love. That's why. So our mission and what we want to learn to do at Lamb, what do we want to create a culture for at Lamb, is abiding in Christ, invited to rest, and compelled to love. And God has provided our church with a place for this mission to become concrete. He's given us a vision for creating spaces where rest and love are present, where it becomes easier to learn how to rest in God and how to love out of God with God. <laughs> so the Abide Project represents our ongoing use of land to cultivate three spaces, parish, gardens, and abbey. Now, this morning, I'm not going to review all these. I want to return for just a few minutes to parish, the concept of parish. I want to emphasize for all of us that parish is the most important part of this vision. The other parts of our vision will only be healthy and fruitful if Church of the Lamb is healthy and fruitful as a body of disciples. Our worship of God, our growth in Christ together, and our welcoming of others into the family of God, these are the most important parts of what God has called us to do and be. How does Church of the Lamb become stronger because of this property? This is the question I've been asking God. How do we become stronger through this? Not spread more thin, not overextending ourselves, but a stronger body of Christ. And honestly, it's not automatic that we become stronger because of it. We can't just assume it's going to happen, but we can trust that this is what God wants, that He wants to use this to make us stronger. With God's help, it will make us stronger. The property becomes an anchor point for us that helps us grow in depth and in breadth as a body of Christ. And I want to speak to both of these, the depth and the breadth. In depth, the property gives us a place to put roots in the ground, to grow and mature as a body of believers. You know, our family, it, it's neat to see the way that God has worked in our lives alongside the church. Our family has just moved out of my parents' basement where we lived for nearly two years. <laughs> and there was something amazing and sweet about it. God blessed that and he used it in our lives. But my family couldn't live in my parents' basement forever. That would not be good for me or for my family, would it? You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, no matter how hospitable someone is and wants you to be there, you can't live out of boxes for all of your life. You use all this energy trying to find where things are. Where did we put those things? There's this sideways energy, and so you're not able to um, put energy into the ways that you feel like God wants you to live moving forward. 
Churches need a place to call home just like people do. Physical spaces are important for our long-term growth and maturity as people. Homes shape a family. Churches shape a body of believers. Lamb has needed a place that it can grow up together. Like a family that forms memories in a home, our relationships are going to be formed deeper because we walk together in one place for years and years to come with God's help. Now, one area I am burdened for us to grow in depth is in our discipleship, our formation in Christ. We as a church, we want to restart and expand our ministries to children. Because of COVID, we've had to put a lot of things on hold. But as we're able to re-enter a sense of normal, we want these to be stronger. We're renovating a room in the basement now to be able to help with this. Now, there are youth in our church who have just done Alpha together. It is so cool. And, and there are other youth from outside the church who have been a part of this. It's not been just Church of the Lamb, but partly Church of the Lamb. These youth are planning ways to be together during the summer, and families in our church are planning ways to host them. Now, there are going to be things like this that are not directly related to the land. But as we mature as a church... We're going to be able to develop stronger ministries to groups like youth. It will be a knock-on effect to our church becoming more rooted as we're able to face outward and produce more services and resources to serve groups within our body. We also need to develop stronger ministries for men in our church. Several weeks ago, the men, well, a lot of men were together. There were women too, but the men wanted to fellowship with chainsaws, which is an interesting way to think about fellowship, but it worked for a lot of the men. They loved it. They built a bridge together, a, a literal bridge. I don't mean that metaphorically or spiritually. They built a bridge. <laughs> we need to develop ministries for men and ministries for women in our body to create spaces for these groups to be together, to study scripture together, to fellowship and grow in what it means to be followers of Jesus. It's not automatic. We can't assume it's just going to happen. But with God's help, this land gives us an opportunity to grow in depth as a body. And it also gives us the opportunity to grow in breadth and what I mean by this is it gives us a broad space to invite people into the life of our church and into the life of God's kingdom. Last week, I love stories like this. Last week, John Benich reconnected with an old army friend, I believe, right, John? An old army friend who had bought a property north of us in the valley, and he's working to restore a stream bed. <laughs> Now listen, John said, hey, I'd love to connect with you, with you about that. Our church is trying to do something like that. And the friend said, wow, I can't imagine a church doing something like that. What does that mean even? Worshiping and serving God on this land will create many open doors for us to speak about and physically display the love of God in Christ and the redemption that he's seeking to bring into our world to invite people into that love and into that redemption. God has given Church of the Lamb a special and amazing way to think about being a church. 
to have a place we worship and nurture together and are able to share beyond ourselves. Someone said to me in an email this past week after last Sunday, it's a big vision. (laughs) Good thing God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I want to be frank with you. This is the biggest step of faith I have ever been a part of taking with a group of people. And if you think that hasn't scared me to death, you don't know me very well. It is the biggest step of faith I've ever taken. Along the way, I have faced doubts. I've faced fears. I've had to use a lot of time of quiet prayer and conversation with people to help me discern what God was trying to say to me in those things. Here's the assumption you should always make when you're experiencing fear and anxiety. God is trying to speak to me. What is he saying? One of the ways God has worked in my life over the years, a pattern that he's had in my life is confronting my fear. The fear that I'm so prone to, to the point that a regular question I ask myself is, am I walking in faith or am I walking in fear? That's just a check that I have to ask myself. And I'm so confident of this. God has brought Church of the Lamb to this point and he wants to lead us forward. He has provided this, and he wants to continue to provide for us. He wants to continue to pour out riches upon riches on this church so that we can serve this place and serve others in his name. I'm going to spend just a couple final minutes speaking to how we will handle the finances for this vision. This week, our church is going to host two meetings to introduce what we're calling the Abide Campaign. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday are the meetings. We'll talk more about that later. Over the next three years, we're going to seek to raise $750,000 primarily to pay down the property and create a way for us to begin gathering on the property. And third, to make plans for a long-term place for worship. Did you hear the passage that Dan read? Look, as Paul says in Philippians... Uh, We can learn in whatever situation to be content. We can learn to, to survive in anything. We've done it out here for a year and a half. We can do it anywhere, yes. But God's people in every period of history, when they're able, have moved toward building beautiful places to worship our Creator. Spaces, these physical spaces stand for centuries as a as a kind of testimony to the faithfulness of the creator. They point to him, to his majesty and his glory. Look, if we've dreamed too small in this first phase, which I pray we have, then hopefully we can start building that sooner. But this is where we're starting. Over the next three years, raising $750,000 to pay down the property, to create a way for us to begin gathering there, and to make plans for a long-term place for worship. Now, here's the next part of this. My main role is not to be a fundraiser. It is not. It's to make sure that we do not drift from our mission as a church. 
Our mission as a church is to abide in Christ, to live in relationship with Jesus, which means deep rest and active love. For Lamb to have integrity as a church, everything that we do should grow out of this mission, out of our abiding in Christ, including this campaign. So seriously, if thinking about this makes you sweat, if it makes you anxious or it makes you grumpy, the first thing God wants you to experience is the freedom of his love. Church of the Lamb and every person here, I want to tell you and assure you, God wants to bless you in this. In everything that he calls you to in life. If it's not this, in everything he calls you to in life, he wants to bless you. This is who God is. So here's what I've come to believe on the other side of my own fears and doubts. God has been at work in this so far. He's opened doors for this church in remarkable ways. He will keep doing it. He will do that in this campaign. I love the end of that passage in Philippians that Sean read for us. God will provide, my God will provide for every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's what God does. He's opened doors for us. He will keep doing it. His intent thus far has been to bless us. So that's what he wants to do moving forward. Even the financial part of this, God wants to use as a way of forming and blessing Lamb and through Lamb, those around us. So to close, I'm just going to name two places God will bless us as we enter this next phase of our life as a church. One, He's going to increase our faith in who He is. If We are embarking on a journey of faith together. And if you embark on this journey of faith with us, God will increase your faith in who he is. Someone told me recently they're concerned that they'll be gone before a place of worship is built. (laughs) No, it's serious. I mean, it's a little bit of a chuckle, but it's serious. And that's heavy for me. I want to... I want to turn into a fundraiser so I can make sure that doesn't happen, but I, I, that's, I can't. We can only believe that God is going to use the journey, the difficulties of it, the tests, and the surprising gifts to increase our faith in who He is. Who do you believe God is? What do you believe is His disposition toward you? We live in a broken world where bad, unexpected things happen, and that can cause us to doubt God's intentions sometimes, to wonder, does he really mean good toward me? But God's disposition toward us is always of love and kindness in his son, Jesus Christ. He does intend through all the trials of life to bless us, and he doesn't play tricks on us. Also, God really does own everything. Anything that we can give him is just something he's already given to us. He really does have an unlimited capacity to provide for his people. And he really is generous with his children. So God is going to bless our church by increasing our faith in his goodness and in his faithfulness.
And second, he's going to bless us by increasing our faith in the calling that he's placed directly on us. So look, I've been honest. I'm going to keep being honest. It's not to make you feel sorry for me. For some reason, in my quirky brokenness, one of the hardest things for me to believe is that God wants to use specifically me. I can believe he wants to use you. That's easy. I can tell you that. I can assure you of that. I can say it over and over again. But deep down, sometimes it's, uh, I've got these nagging doubts about me. In the gospel story this morning, the disciples tell Jesus to send the people away so that they can get food. And Jesus tells them, you give them something to eat. I love it. In every one of the stories about Jesus leading the disciples to feed multitudes, he says this to the disciples, you give them something to eat. They say, this is all we've got. And he tells them, bring it to me. They do. Then he prays. He broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Notice it is one extra basket for each disciple. Look, here's what's happening here. Basically, Jesus is saying, tag, you're it. That's what he's saying. I'm showing you what I am sending you and empowering you to do. I want to use you. You feed them. You. The calling and the vision God is giving our church is larger than any of us. Most of us have meager, very meager resources compared to the vision itself. That's just reality. And that's okay. That is the way that God likes to work. God is calling Church of the Lamb. And he wants to use Church of the Lamb. So what does this mean for us individually? It means different things for different people. It does. Some of you cannot give much. And that is totally fine. God's not upset with you. He's not disappointed in you. You might not need to sacrifice anything. God wants you to be a part of this because he wants to show you that he can provide and not just through you. He wants, to sh- he wants you to participate in whatever meager way you can. And then he wants to show you that that counts. And you should not feel guilty about it. Others might need to sacrifice. Uh, some of us have usually have a margin of income that we can use in whatever way we want. And we get excited about that. What am I going to use it for next month? And God may wish to increase your faith by showing you that he can really satisfy you apart from the extra things that you count on buying for yourself, that you look forward to for yourself. And some of you may need to see this as an opportunity to take a different kind of step of faith. God Sometimes he just puts numbers and he just puts people, things in people's minds, things on people's hearts. And you need to be open to that. It doesn't mean you should be foolish, but you should pray into that. You should talk to others about it. Could this be a step of faith God wants me to make? Here's what's most important in all of it. God is going to bless us. It's who he is. 
It's his commitment to us. He's going to bless you and our church as we walk with him in this. And here's the beautiful thing. Whatever way Christ leads us to participate and to do this, it will be a place in our souls where rest and love meet together. So in this abide campaign that we will use as a way of living into the abide project, this vision that God has given us to serve him and to serve this area, it is in the difficulties, the struggles, and in the faith that God is going to teach us to abide in Christ. Called to rest, invited to rest, and compelled to love. This is the beautiful thing that God is doing at Church of the Lamb. He is rooting us in himself and teaching us how to go out in his love. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.